Welcome to this training on how to wholesale real estate in seven easy steps with no money. So let's get right into this. So first step you want to make sure you take care of is you got to find your buyers first. So if you're operating with no money, I'm sorry to tell you, you actually need money to buy real estate, right? But it doesn't mean that it has to be your money that you use to do this. It doesn't even have to be your money that you use to do marketing. There are buyers out there that will pay for your marketing. They will pay for everything as long as the deals come back to them first. So you can leverage this, but you need a buyer's list first. This is something that I see so many people talk about that, you know, find the deal and the buyer will come. That's 100% horse crap. Because first of all, how do you know what a deal even looks like if you've never done a wholesale deal in your life? right? Like my, myself now, yes, I can go and look straight for deals. I don't need buyers because I know what a deal is in my market, right? But I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. So I have a lot of market knowledge, but for somebody that's new or hasn't been doing deals consistently, you don't know what this looks like. So what the hell are you doing? Right? So you need to find these buyers. What are they buying? Where are they buying? Why don't they buy in these other areas? Get all those questions answered. And I did a whole playlist on how to find and vet your buyers so you can have quality buyers. Because trust me, when you do get a deal, you don't want to start scramming around and trying to find a buyer and not locate one and then look like a jerk in front of your seller because you weren't able to help them. All right. So you want to make sure that you have your buyer first. Step number two. You want to go and find your title companies and your attorneys. So in some areas, you use uh, real estate attorneys to close. Other areas like Texas, we use title companies. Why do you want to find your title companies? A lot of times the title companies, they're going to tell you what contracts you need to use. Now, this is very important because if you don't know what the hell to do and you use some guru contract to get these people on their contract, to get a seller on the contract, and then you take it to a title company and they're like, no, I don't even know what the hell this contract is. I don't like it. I won't close with it because there's some title companies that are picky. You want to find your title companies first, see what contracts they like to use, what their time frames look like, what's everything that they like. Our title company, we get them seller information forms. We get them a few different pieces of documents that helps their job move much faster and easier when they work with us. So get to know your title company, get to know what the process is. So you're not again, scrambling in the last moment, trying to get this done. And how do you find title companies? You ask your buyers, <laughs> buyers are buying properties consistently are using title companies consistently. Those are the people that are going to help you with this. Next thing, pull a list of possible motivated sellers. So there's three lists that I like pre foreclosures, uh, dismissed bankruptcies, and absentee owners that have three or less properties that they own. So here's, this is using PropStream. So I wanted to, you know, I'll show you real quick what this looks like. So this is the criteria for dismissed bankruptcies. All right. So we're looking for a single family residential, 3000 square feet or less that they're not on the MLS right now. It's owned by an individual because when you get LLCs and trusts and stuff like that, it's hard to skip trace, find out who they are. Um, the last date it was purchased is 2019 or older. The reason for that, again, we want properties with more equity in them. Um, they have, uh, you can select these features. This is using PropStream that has active bankruptcy or, uh, the bankruptcy has been dismissed recently. 
So you want to select these two features and then total assess value of 300,000 or less. Why do I look for total assessed value of 300,000 or less? Because the median price point in San Antonio is 320 at the moment. So at a median price point of 320, the 300 assessed value, chances are they're off and off on the low end. Houses are probably worth a little bit more than what the tax assessed value is. And I don't want to go too much higher than the median price because that means these properties are going to take longer to sell. So that's why these are the features and the, the criteria that we search for for dismissed bankruptcies. Now, the next one is for absentees. And with absentees, this is the criteria that we're looking for. So we're looking for owner occupied. Nope. Uh, single family building size. 800 to 2,500 square feet, year built, uh, 1978 to 2015. The 2015 is not too important. The reason for this is that if they're too new, it's a little bit harder for them to want to sell at a discount. There needs to be a very strong motivation to do that because it's so new that they could just put on the MLS and they'll sell right away. Um, and the, but the 1978 is important to us because simply the plumbing is more uh, updated. We're not dealing with cast iron or anything like that. Electrical is that updated. We're not dealing with aluminum or two prong electricals. So the major components are already there in the property. So it makes it easier for us to get in and get out without having to do any major renovations. It's not listed on the MLS. It's owned by an individual again with the uh, 2019 or earlier. They own three or less properties and an estimated value of 350 or less. Now on these, why am I doing 350 or less? Because I'm actually going based on the results, the total result that came out. And I like to keep my total result between five and 8,000 properties. Uh, so when I market to my properties, whether it's cold calling, direct mail or anything, I have a good size to, to use as far as reaching out to these people. And then, like I said, the pre-foreclosures are, are a great list. The thing with pre-foreclosures, you pull them directly from the county. You're not using the pre-foreclosures from these sites because they're not as accurate. I like going directly to the source as soon as they're posted because it gives me the first to the chance to be the first person calling these people. Um, and we've been getting hell of deals coming out of the pre-foreclosure marketing. Next thing, you're going to market to these lists. So. Our preferred method of marketing at the moment is cold calling and text messaging. It's the best source for us because one, it's extremely affordable. We're spending probably about all said and done. If we include our VAs, we're probably spending about $1,200 a month on marketing and we're generating about four deals a month. And our average deal size is about $35,000. So when you talk about those numbers, our you know, cost to get a deal is pretty damn good, right? Um, the next way that you can do it is direct mail. Now, direct mail works when you have a very niche targeted list. You don't want to shotgun direct mail because you're going to have to mail them a few times. You don't mail people once and hope for great results. Um, I was recently talking to a buddy of mine at Ballpoint Marketing, and he's the owner, and he was telling me about some of the metrics and everything, and they said, like, you know, after you mail somebody three times, you've increased your, your reach of that list by 50%. That's a massive jump, but you got to hit the same person, the same list three times to get that kind of reach. The first round, the uh, go around, I think he said it was like 14% of the list that's actually going to maybe respond or even think about calling you. So you got to do it three times before you can actually get a hold of about 50% of that list. Now, if you're getting a hold of, of about 50% of the list, do you think you're closing some of these people? 
I think so. Um, now some people do suck at sales, which is why we provide a lot of sales training in my company. But you know, once you get good at sales and figuring out what their issue is, is a very good chance of getting a contract there. Then you want to go ahead and once you found a motivated seller, you want to get them on their contract. You, you're going to use whatever contract your title company told you about. Um, whatever contract they like to use here in Texas, we use the Trek, uh, which is the standard Texas contract. And we love using that contract because every time I see a wholesaler that comes to these sellers with a custom contract, I completely destroy them. I'm like, you can't trust those contracts. What the hell is this? This is a two page. looks like it was made by a third grader. You know, I'll completely destroy it because chances are these, these wholesalers don't know what the hell they're doing. And I do. So I can do that with a truck contract It's more official. It's been created by uh, attorneys and everything from the Texas board. So, you know, it, it comes with a lot more weight. It's a, it's a bigger contract. So it's a bigger pain in the butt to close. Um, but if you do a good job at building great rapport with these sellers and connecting with them and solving their problem, the contract is the easiest part. You're not going to struggle with it, but you want to make sure you get it on the contract. And then you want to assign that contract to your buyers, right? So you got your buyers, you got it on the contract first. When you get it on the contract, you're going to send it to your title company to open title. They're what they're going to do when they open title is they do a title research. They do, they do background checks. They make sure that there aren't any liens. There aren't any problem. You want to get clear title when you wholesale a property to somebody. You don't want, you want to make sure that it doesn't have any issues or any encumbrances that's going to create problems for your buyer, right? So once it's at title and it's getting done, you get your assignment with the buyer. Now your buyer is going to want to go see the property most likely. So you took a bunch of pictures when you went to see the house. Uh, I hope you did. Um, our numbers are about any houses under a thousand square feet. We're taking no less than 50 pictures for the house and anything over pretty much 12, 1300 square feet. We're taking about 75 to hundred pictures. We take pictures of everything. We don't hide anything. We make sure everything is visible because we don't want to waste our time or our buyer's time. Right. So we're not hiding anything. If there's something jacked up, I want my buyer to see it because I want them to factor that in. So you're going to get an assignment contract. Now, assignment contracts, they are custom. These aren't something that your title company is going to provide you. You can find a lot of these assignment contracts online. Um, just make sure your title company is OK with using them as well as what I would recommend is at some point get an attorney to draft up a good assignment contract based on the laws in, in Texas, based on the laws of whatever state you're in. Um, and that also protects you and the buyer, right? But get your assignment contract. Don't overcomplicate this. You can even talk to buyers and other wholesalers to see what assignment contracts they have. You'll, you can find these damn near everywhere. But get your assignment contract. It's going to state all the terms, all the rules, everything. What does this assignment contract do is you are assigning your rights to the initial contract with the seller to that buyer for a fee. Now, that fee is your wholesale fee, right? It could be five grand, 10 grand, 15, 45, $70,000, whatever you want it to be. Now, here's another disclaimer. My experience has been with a lot of buyers. If you are wholesaling something, at, at least in Texas, if you're wholesaling something for more than 15, 20 grand, there's a lot of buyers that take issues with that. You know, they, they, it's really silly. I, I think it's so silly because if it makes sense to you, what does it matter how much I'm making? But it does to some people. So you might have to look into doing a double close. Now a double close is very simply, you are buying the house from the seller and then selling the house to the buyer. So you're going to need either transactional funds or you're going to need a title company that can do a dry closing. 
right? That means that the title company closes with the buyer first. They use that money to close with the seller, and then the difference goes to you. So again, why do you want to talk to title companies, attorneys? Because you want to see what are all the things that you're allowed to do and you can do. And if you need transactional funding, you're going to have to search around, talk to people. Some hard money lenders do it, but it tends to be expensive. So make sure that, you know, the wholesale fee is definitely worth it to get that transactional funding and that your buyer is somebody that you can trust that's going to close right away. And last but not least, so you'll sign the contract. And a lot of people here, they're like, hey, deal's done, right? I signed it. I'm good. I'm done. No, it's not over. It's not over until you close. Remember, you are the one that's built the rapport and the trust with these homeowners. So if you walk away or neglect the seller, there's still a chance this deal can fall apart. And if it falls apart, you don't get paid. You understand? So you have to make sure you stay involved in this deal till the very end. Until that deal closes, it's not done. So you stay in constant contact with the seller, make sure that everything is moving along. And again, this also takes care of your buyers. You want to take care of your buyers because they're the reason that you're even going to make this kind of money, right? So you don't want to leave them with some mess that they got to deal with. That's why buyers pay wholesalers because they don't want to deal with those things. They don't want to be dealing with the seller. If they did, they would do the marketing themselves. So make sure that you're doing this and you're talking to your seller, you're talking to your buyer, you have open lines of communication. Now, if you found any of this information valuable and helpful, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Um, and you can always text me by texting the word YouTube to 210-794-9898 and ask me any questions, whatever it is. If you want to refine the marketing list, if you have some questions on the sales, anything that you need help with, let me know. I'm here to help you. I hope this was helpful to you guys, and I will catch you all in the next video.